Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. All of you cold-hearted skepticalities is causing a fight fight feeling in my body. What? All of you cold-hearted skepticalities is causing a fight flight feeling in my body. Yeah, still what? before the Ferguson verdict. So that's why, even though there's some parallels, uh, we don't actually refer to the verdict or the aftermath of um, the Ferguson decision. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Yoel, do you think Dave has been toning down the anti-Semitism in recent episodes? I I feel like he's making a conscious effort to kind of tone that down. Maybe he's going up for full professor soon or something <laughs> like that. Like, I don't know. What, what, what's your take on this? It does seem like he's been trying to hide it a little bit better, which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. That's all yeah. I want is for yeah, him right. to try to hide it a little yeah, better. No, if he wants to hate yep. us privately, that's, that's his business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just trying to adhere to your ethical, <laughs> your own ethical guidelines that really it's actions. It's that actions matter, that count. Not, not yeah, entirely. exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And this is Yoel Imbar from now, uh, a new affiliation. University, University of, Toronto. of Toronto. Really? I didn't even know that. Congratulations. It's, oh, thank you. It's snowing here. It's it's always. Yeah. <laughs> At least you don't have a bunch of Svarta Pete's running around. <laughs> That's right. You know, biggest advantage of Canada over the Netherlands is fewer adults in blackface. <laughs> this is on the brochures for Canada. <laughs> <laughs> right, very little. Not as people. many people in blackface as the Netherlands. <laughs> actually, <laughs> this is funny. There was actually a Canadian member of Parliament who, uh, I guess, his family is Dutch, and he Instagrammed a photo of himself with some Svartepeets. I think this was a year or two ago, and uh, of course, people got upset, and he was like, "I didn't realize. I just thought it was a fun tradition for children." So I guess there there are still people in blackface here, but it's not it's not socially accepted in the way I guess that it is among the Dutch. Well, you know, it turns out that twenty years later, his son came out as black, and uh, he really changed his position. Oh, boy. Are we going to do this? Are we going to do Portman? Do we want to do this? That could. The problem is, if we want to do the movie, is it? We might yeah. end up. Yeah. I, I just don't want to get piled on by you internet nerds about. about you know, you know that's what you secretly do want. That's why you're saying. <laughs> I've uh, lost. I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about right now. Oh, the guy uh, Rob Portman, whose son came out as gay. Remember, you guys had this. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I remember I told you that Yoel was on your side That's and you right. were like all weepy and like, I knew I loved Yoel. Well, Yoel <laughs> sounds like a really good friend of mine from college. So when <laughs> uh-huh. I listened, yeah, and then I got a kind of a soft spot in my heart. We got to have him back on. And Dave was like, no, we already have way too many Jews on the podcast. <laughs> this was off air. I don't even remember. I don't even categorize. I, for all I know, Yoel is more German than Jewish. Listen to him. Yeah, true. All right. Well, let's get it this just out on the table right now. First of all, what our topic is, because although we've mentioned a number of relevant things, prejudice, bias, blackface, Sparta Pete, the, we're going <laughs> to, when we have Yoel on, that usually means we're talking about a movie, or it actually exclusively means that we're talking about a movie and so a single far. movie. So far, yes. The movie that we want, that we decided we wanted to talk about, actually, even before we decided we wanted Yoel to join us, was Do the Right Thing. It's, yeah, actually, can you say why you, because you just suggested it on a text, and I said, yeah, that sounds good. So oh, what this was, was your, like, this was Tamler's pick? Yeah, this was Tamler's suggestion. This was oh, my I have, idea a, I have because, a theory. Can I say the theory before you say the actual? Yes, sure. Well, yes, yes, yes. well sure, I noticed sure. that, that both Straw Dogs and Do the Right Thing have this thing, this common, uh, the similarity, which is that at the end, it's like the masks come off and everybody's just at everybody else's throats. And so I feel like this and, spoke to you. And? And at the and the every, at the end of everything, there's like the destruction of a building. Yes, Taylor hates buildings, and there's like a mentally disabled character that plays a fairly uh, significant role. Yeah, the similarity is here. No, so actually, it's a boring reason why you know I'm a big fan of movie podcasts, and it had really? just come up on yeah, <laughs> they have because it's been the 25th anniversary. It's come up on a bunch of the movie podcasts that I listen to, and I realized that I haven't seen this since I was in, you know, since it came out. So when I was still a teenager, and like nineteen, <laughs> but still technically a teenager, and I, I just wanted to go back and 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 watch it. I remember liking it, having some problems with it, and, and having a somewhat strong reaction, and just you know, and then with all the the stuff with Ferguson, the various incidents that. This movie, you can't say it's prophetic because the stuff had been happening already. And then, I don't know, Yoel emailed us and be like, but we're three white guys talking about. Well, really, Rachel was like, so my wife was was like, wait, so the podcast is three white dudes talking about this movie. (laughs) So, and I I had to admit that you have a point. I I didn't even realize that this movie was about black people or that we're white. I just, yeah, this I is know. the yeah we're so not racist that we didn't <laughs> even realize that that would be a problem. I th- yeah no I think that everybody I talk to expressed a similar concern and like I got to you know just to say right up front of course but, but as I was thinking about it I was like it would feel weird to find somebody who is African American just to get them on this as if as if we couldn't talk about this. I think, you know, this is a a film that's supposed to speak to, if there's any constraint in the audience, it is people in America, right? This is very much an American film and a film about American sentiment and, and everything that bubbles up from under. And, and if we can't talk about it with, obviously with respect to the Italian Americans um, in the film, uh, then, then the terrorists have won. I, yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear that if uh, you know, that's right. Then but, ISIS has won. 
No, I, I agree. I, and, and I actually, I, I'm not even sure, although it's about America and American racism, I also think it's about a kind of institutionalized form of oppression and how to deal with that, which yeah. is something that's not restricted to America, although the particular nature of this, that, that, that the oppression is not coming from the from necessarily particular people, but from just the way the institutions are set up. How to address that if you're one of the oppressed. Right. Well, uh, it may or may not be coming from individual people, but it, figuring out who it's coming from is, is quite difficult. But before we get into the analysis of it, do you want to give just a little overview? Because I, I was, as I was saying before we started recording, this film came out in 1989. And to me, it's, you know, I saw it probably when it came out on video. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Um, and I've seen it maybe once since then. And uh, as I was asking grad students in our department and some other people that I was talking to, that they had uh, some people had never heard of it. Some people had heard of it, but certainly never seen it, nor known that it was an influential film or who Spike Lee was or what it was about. Um, so, so maybe a little overview for for the youngins. But before we do that, and we should do that, but you should see this movie before. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to this, if at all possible, rent it on Amazon. You can do, you can download illegally, like Bizarro does. Whatever you have to do, but I, I, I think it's going to be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the powers right. that be. That, I think that, that that it'll be a lot more interesting if you've seen the movie. Yeah. But you know, it is an uncomfortable. It's one thing that struck me is it is really uncomfortable movie to watch. Even now, after having seen it earlier on in my life, like. I actually had a uh, uh, discomfort at this movie more than than I've had for a lot of recent disturbing movies. Did you, I, yo, did you feel that way, Yoel? Hmm. No. Not really. No. Not until the end. Not until it got crazy. Yeah. I felt it was like it, part of what makes it work is, and I don't want to get too much ahead of actually talking about the plot, but it has this very dramatic shift in tone near the end. Um, and that's what kind of makes it jarring and impactful to me, but much of it I thought was like, oh, this is kind of, it's sort of cute. You know, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. In, in some ways like a very sanitized, I guess, um, version of what that life must have actually been like. I mean, 89, height of the crack e- epidemic in Bed-Stuy. Uh, he said in interviews as a deliberate choice, did not deal with drugs at all. He was like, that's too big an issue. I didn't want to tackle it. I mean, we could talk about whether that makes sense as a reason to leave it out. But like, you know, you watch The Wire and you're like, wow, like, Life in inner cities is right. miserable. And you watch this and you're like, oh, well, you know, they're poor, but... Right. They're, they're, they're there, sitting a outside. There's a, there's a community. Exactly. You know, this right. is the thing of, I think, the heat. I don't think you could do this movie if it wasn't one of the hottest or the hottest day of the year because the thing that makes it make sense is that the pressure keeps building because of how hot it is outside. And okay, all these before, th- before yeah. analysis, like, like let's actually get a, a root. Like you told people to watch it. Let's actually give an overview of, of okay. what this is. I mean, so this is 1989. It's in a in, uh, uh, neighborhood called Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn, which was traditionally an African-American neighborhood, poor neighborhood. Um, this is before the Brooklyn that we know now. In fact, Spike Lee in the 25th anniversary special says he the first gentrifier is in his movie. Um, <laughs> the Larry <laughs> the guy Bird on the bicycle guy. Like like a, a, of the, go back yeah. to Massachusetts. So, <laughs> yeah, I was born in Brooklyn, and it it centers around Mookie, who is the Spike Lee character, um, and Mookie works at a local pizza joint named Sal's Pizza, Sal's famous probably, owned by an Italian man, and his two sons work there. 
And it's I I'd say that the beginning of the movie just sets up this cast of characters. It's one of those it's one of those movies I really like watching because you just remember these people. It's it's almost like a who are the people in your neighborhood setup where you really get this warm feeling that even and the cast is amazing. It's like a who's who of people that you would see sort of later on. If you need any more incentive to just go and watch this right now. So Burrell, Deputy mm-hmm. Ops, Burrell from The Wire. Sam Jackson is in it. Gus. Gus Bugging Out is played by Gus from Breaking Bad. Right. Uh, Giancar- Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Um, Martin, uh, John Turturro. John, yep. John Turturro. Danny Aiello. Martin Lawrence. Yeah, Martin, uh, uh, that was his first movie. Yeah, and um, Rosie Perez's Rosie first Perez. movie. Rosie too. Perez's yeah. first movie. Yeah. Martin Lawrence, we'll talk about his character in a bit, but that, 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 <laughs> I, I, I have some questions about yeah. what, he, what, what he's going for with it's that It's like, character. well, you know, we have mentally challenged people in our community, too. Just, <laughs> no, but like, they had a mental... They yeah, had like what a, like, I know. He was... Okay, he was the speech impediment. No, no, Rosie Perez is there, too. Okay, hold on. <laughs> this is very much not a... It, I, if you agree with me, it's not a plot driven movie. It's a day in the life of, and it just so yeah. happens that events, you know, events unfold that you can kind of see the precursors to those events throughout the day of, but it's very much a, like, this is the day uh, Spike Lee is, he delivers pizzas for Sal and his sons. Um, it's the hottest day of the summer. You get these sort of scenes that are almost required in, in these New York City hot summer day movies where the kids are playing in the fire hydrant. You get a yeah. hilarious scene where a white guy in a nice car. Oh, and off. that guy. You know what's freaky? <laughs> it's that guy was later on The Sopranos and he looks identical. It must be identical. like a 15 year gap and he looks exactly the same. Also, but more right at that time, Goodfellas. He's go get your fucking shine box guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Frank, so Frank Frank Vincent is the actor's yeah. name. Right. Yeah. But that's an interesting scene. I don't want to forget it because there the cops actually are kind of nice. on the side. They're, They're on nice. The side, yeah. They're on the yeah. side of the the black neighborhood people they're not like this guy coming into their neighborhood complaining about the car they, they're having none of that shit so day in the life what you get what you start building is the dynamics between these people there is samuel l is the dj at the local radio station who has a window to see everybody um mookie has tension with the older brother played by john Turturro, who you can kind of tell is the older brother at sal's the yeah. older brother of sal's um, the younger brother gets along much better with Mookie, but you could tell that, uh, that there's racial tension between uh, John Tortura's character, Pino. Mookie has a sister. Mookie has a girlfriend played by Rosie Perez and a son. Uh, he's not a very good father. And then there's just this whole bunch of other people. There's a, a an old lady named Mother Sister who sits on the on her windowsill and observes everybody. And in, in some ways, these character names are just so heavy handed. You know, this is, this is very much like a, an art school film where, yeah. you know, it's like, and she's going to represent the women in our community. Uh, you have, a, you have the, a little peanut gallery of three, three older men, who, including so, sweet Dick Willie, sweet Dick Willie, who by the way is played by a comedian named Robin Harris who died, uh, died too young, but he was a, a great stand-up comedian had a, you know, some, I, I read some review where they compared those three guys to the Greek chorus. It's like a huh. Greek chorus of the movie. I think that's right. They, right. they kind of talk about the major themes, but they also have their own characters. And you have some more central characters, uh, that, well, that end up playing, playing a central role, uh, like R- radio Rahim. The guy who's just walking around with a boombox all the time, really loud, playing Public Enemy. You have uh, the Korean store owners. In fact, the two proprietors in this uh, 
one of them is the Italian family, and the other one is the Korean family. And this this sort of lack of lack of black ownership of businesses is a theme that comes up. There's the mayor. The mayor. The mayor is an old drunk black man who is uh, sort of in a disheveled suit, but but. He, He's a great character because he's he wears a suit nonetheless. He has enough pride to put on a fucking suit every day. Yeah, walk around, shuffle, and beg for money to drink alcohol. Right, Miller High Life. Miller High. Life. We and should I, be having Miller High Life right now <laughs> because of that mayor. So yeah, those I think I've covered most of the bases. There's one other character uh, that that sort of they're these group oh, of happy. four kids. And that's the group that Martin Lawrence is a member of. And that's another, you know, that they're interested because they're not in any way portrayed sympathetically. They, they, they're the rabble. They kind of harass people in the neighborhood and don't seem to bring anything good to the neighborhood. Uh, I don't know if they're supposed to represent like the knucklehead contingent of the neighborhood, but I mean, it's almost over the top, like absurdist. And a lot of this is, I mean, a lot of this seems like he sketched out, like, here's what I want to portray. Here's the aspects of this community that I want to portray. Right. And I'm going to, in some ways the hit you over the head with the, with who these people are supposed to portray. didn't bother me that much in this film. No, but you all, I I don't know if you, you want to add anything about the cast of characters. Well, we haven't talked about bucking out. He's not, he's not one of the gang of four, right? He's his, he's not his own. Yeah. Yeah. And he, in some ways sets the whole storyline in motion. With his he does. I have boycott a note, of cells. I have a note that as early as you see him, right, there's plenty of foreshadowing. That he's he's complaining gonna... about the prices of the yeah. pizza and then, much more importantly, that there's no black people on the wall. He has these photos of Sylvester right. Stallone, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Ed Merrick, Sinatra, no obviously. Black... Hey, hey, Sal, how come we got no brothers on the wall here? You want brothers on the wall? Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. You can put your brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews, your stepfather, stepmother, whoever you want. You see? But this is my pizzeria. American Italians on the wall only. Yeah, that might be fine, Sal, but uh, you, you own this. Rarely do I see any American Italians eating in here. All I see is black folks. So since we spend much money here, we do have some set. You looking for trouble? Are you a troublemaker? Is that what you are? You making trouble? Yeah, I'm a troublemaker. I'm making trouble. Every plot point kind of goes back to bugging out. And this is yeah. the guy that also plays Gus in Breaking Bad. And fi- and finally Smiley. I think Smiley is just for the symbolic reasons. I mean, Smiley is Smiley is a uh, clearly mentally disabled man who he shuffles along has a speech impediment. We don't know what exactly is wrong with him, but he walks around trying to sell people little, you know, little four by six black and white images of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Um, and, you know, that actually plays a role. Sometimes he offers people Martin Luther King. Sometimes he offers them Malcolm X. And sometimes he offers them a picture of them together. That I don't know if you guys noticed early on. He, he offers yeah. one to Spike Lee, right? Um, yep. Do you want to add anything about the plot, Yoel? Well, like David said, it's a day in the life, right? So, and But it's hot. People are on edge. And as the movie goes on, you start to see the kind of under the surface tensions, especially between the white pizza shop people and the rest of the neighborhood. And I think one of the things that's great about the movie is how ambivalent that relationship is. You know, they've been there, they've been a neighborhood institution. 
and yet, you know, right, tw- what, like 20, 25 years? You right, say? right. These Sal yeah. says, uh, these kids grew up on my pizza, right? So they're really, they're, they're yeah. part of the neighborhood. They've been there forever since before it was majority black, I guess. And they love him. They seem to love him. And he seems to have deep affection, especially for Spike Lee's sister. Uh, yeah. You, you, no, but not just for her, although that's a weird sort of kind of creepy scene. But when Buggin' Out first goes around to ask for the boycott of Sal's, not a single person except for Radio Rahim uh, yeah. wants to do it. Yeah, we you're crazy. That, pizza. yeah. that pizza's good. Yeah. And, and Black Panthers I, eat pizza, we can eat pizza. Yeah, and Buggin' Out, as his name, again, over the head implies – um, you know, the only reason was that he just did, he wanted to see a picture of a black person up there and, uh, radio Rahim. The only reason he gets on board is because he brought his radio in blasting public enemy and, uh, Sal asked him to turn it down and he got pissed. He just radio Rahim is, does not like for people to tell him to turn his music down. It doesn't matter if he's in your place of business. It doesn't matter if he's in your face. This is what you don't ask radio to turn his radio down. Yeah. What else? Uh, Yoel. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. you know, we just meet a bunch of stuff and uh, people in the neighborhood. A bunch of stuff happens. Mookie makes some deliveries, um, visits his girlfriend. Ooh, the ice thing. Yeah. That was. Uh, <laughs> you know, we didn't even talk about Rosie Perez's opening. We, oh, we got to talk uh, about the, that. The, yeah, yeah. The movie opens with Rosie Perez, uh, who, again, this is her, her debut, but she's just dancing furiously and she's doing all kinds of moves, you know, some like the running man, like some very dated 80s moves. But she at some point has a boxing outfit on and she's in various outfits dancing, just furiously dancing and right, getting it out there. And it's um, an interesting choice to have her do it. Right. Uh, not an African-American. She's not black. In fact, her role is, is, is unclear. Um, She's really, all minor. she wants is for, yeah, all she wants is for Mookie to be a better father, uh, you know. Yeah, and uh, a better, like, boyfriend, because they're still together, kind yeah. of, in a way. Although, like, apparently he'll go, like, a week without, it doesn't seem possible to go a week without seeing anybody in that neighborhood. I, know, but, <laughs> yeah, um, really. I mean, the radio station, like, Sam Jackson doing the radio DJ, like, he's just, like, pointing him out on the street, and there goes Mookie. I love the world. So before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of it, I love the world that's created. Like, yeah. this is a neighborhood that I want to go to, tensions and all. Like, I want to go see those people, that cast of characters, those, like, when people knew each other in a neighborhood, you know, this was filmed in two blocks, right? Like it was, and it's literally in those two blocks, you see the world, right? And it's stylized, Uh, but also on location. It's not movie set stylized. Right. uh, um, But there's one, there's a couple observations that I like about this community. One is that early on, you're getting tons of insults, Um, but the insults are all, you know, they're serious insults, but they're all ways of bonding. Yeah, talking um, shit, like, especially guys do to each other. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a turn, there's a turn in the movie where all of a sudden uh, the insults turn serious. Like, I think this captures a little slice in American history where racism hadn't fully gone under the surface. There were still people who were capable of, in an argument, there's the scenes between the brother where they go to the single shop. Oh, yeah, go that is so right. Dago Wab, Guinea, garlic bread, pizza slinging, spaghetti binning, Vic Damone, Perry Como, Luciano Pavarotti, solo meal, non-singer motherfucker. You gold teeth, gold chain wearing, fried chicken and biscuit eating, monkey ate, baboon, big guy, fast running, high jumping spear chucking, 360 degree, Basketball, Duncan, Titsun, Spade, Moulinyan. Take your fucking pizza, pizza, and go the fuck back to Africa. You little slanty-eyed, me-no-speaky American, own every fruit and vegetable stand in New York, 
bullshit Reverend Sun Young Moon, some Olympic 88 Korean kickboxing Sabadam bitch. You Goya bean eating 15 in a car, 30 in an apartment, pointy shoes, red wearing, menudo, meet a meet a Puerto Rican cocksucker? Yeah, you! It's cheap. I got good price for you. Now catch it. How I'm doing? Chocolate, egg, cream drinking, bagel and deluxe, banana for this Jew asshole. Yo! Hold up! Time out! Time out! Y'all take a chill! You need to cool that shit out. And those aren't directed at anybody. Mm-hmm. So no, like, right. So those are just preparing you. Like these are, this is the shit that's just right below our surface. Like I hadn't heard some of those insults for races in so long. That was I don't think you would see that in a movie right now. I don't know. I think that I, I, I agree that you wouldn't see it, but I think I'm, I, I, I think it for a different reason that you guys, that was, I thought that scene was lame. Like I and I and I like this movie and I okay. I singled out that scene as you know that's dated. Well, I think we might be making the same point. So so what? So explain the scene and then say why you thought it was. Well, so lame. first of all, it's a very kind of showy. All of a sudden, it's this cut. I think the scene that leads into this is Pino, the racist older son of Sal, and Mookie talking about about like who his favorite actor is Eddie Murphy whose favorite right. basketball player is Magic Johnson and <laughs> a great and, scene where he and he's him. just like like you're like black like you're you're like you know what they say about black Italians right. uh, uh and so John, uh, yeah John Turturro has kind of you know very kinky hair and yeah. and but he is the most overtly racist of the brothers and then all of a sudden you just get these close-up shots and 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 I guess maybe part of the thing I don't like about it is that it seems like uh, like film schooly. I mean, I I get you with the heavy handedness of it, but I've, the the whole movie has that feel, and I like it despite this. But I think that the emotions that are at least induced in me when I hear a white person or a black person or a Korean person yelling out racial epithets, it really is jarring. Like I, it's showing. I think Spike Lee is showing us, like you know what, this is just what what's on their mind right now. It's not though. It's such a. It's just well, not really on their minds. Like, like clearly comes out in a regular argument in the pizzeria. Like, if the N word no. comes out that easily, that easily, Sal had uh, plenty of opportunities over the course of his twenty-five years. We don't know. I don't know. What do you think about that scene, Yoel? I get what you're saying about the heavy-handedness, um, but I do think it served the point in the movie in the sense of so what what i kind of liked about it was that i mean overall the movie felt so even-handed in that these like inter-ethnic conflicts were not just you know the bad people beating up on the good people and i think what that you know what that illustrated to me was like that sort of like dislike of somebody who's not in your in-group that that is just a universal and that's right. coming from from both the, like the people who are victimized and the people who are less victimized by yeah. our current you know political system. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, and but I, I thought that their feelings about each other and even their other races were a lot more complicated than what that scene portrayed of, it to but be. Of, of course they are. But if you have only built up the, the, the fact that there is actual affection between these people – I think what you needed to show as a filmmaker, maybe that wasn't the best way to show it, is that like these feelings are brewing in all of them. Right. These feelings are there. And I don't think that you would get like I think that the jarring 
all of a sudden cut to this shows you that like we were just talking about how much we love this guy and here we are insulting like the whole ethnic group with with passion and i think that that if it weren't for that it wouldn't make so much sense that people hit the boiling point later on in the movie right i mean but i actually think the movie does a great job of showing that there's a lot under the surface that's just building you know and brewing and the way this neighborhood works right now is that like, i think radio rahim is the classic example of that like clearly this is a guy that's a little bit on the edge the way that the whole neighborhood dynamic works is that everybody's able to keep it under wraps and the heat is the thing that breaks Radio Rahim, I think it's the thing that breaks Sal. It's the, you know, because Sal diffuses so many, like, potentially explosive situations before the big one, you know? Like, so I think that's meant to show that this that this this stuff is there but they've been able to contain it and this is the one day they can't contain but but then then we agree i just think that that's it was necessary to show that that's actually what's under there look on like peek under here and here's what it just might come out and you don't have to take it literally i don't think like it doesn't have to be literally everybody's actually thinking that but i think the you're not supposed to yeah it's so easy to get to a place where all of a sudden the old like you know, ethnic divisions are there again. Like people, I I mean, if you look at Rwanda, for example, like ethnic groups lived more or less in peace for a long time, for decades. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the the wrong set of circumstances happens and they're at each other's throats. And I think that's kind of what he was getting at. Almost like cautionary. It's so easy to slide back into that, you know? Right. And, and, you know, it reminds me a little bit about the, the literature on fear conditioning. It takes a lot to get there. And then when when you no longer have this sort of fear conditioning is when you like you get a rat and you do tone shock, tone shock, tone shock. And after a while, the tone is enough to freak the rat out. Well, you can get rid of that by just giving tone, 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 tone. And then after a while, the rat's not afraid of the of the tone anymore. But in order to get it back, it, all it takes is like a couple more trials and boom, it's right back where it started. Right. And it's like that's what it is. It's like it's boiling under the surface and we can take 30 steps backward, 30 years backward, if we don't watch the way that we behave right now. And that's yeah. what's scared. That's it's, I think this is what scared white people about it. Like, yeah. I, you know, or maybe black people too. I don't know. Yeah. There's All actually- right, let's take a quick break and then talk about some of the main characters and then the big moral questions that the movie raises. Welcome back to Three White Guys Discussing Do the Right Thing. (laughs) Um, We hit a little bit of a milestone. We started 
counting our downloads. We got a service that helps us count our downloads. Um, what last year, last September, sometime in September, yeah. I think. Yeah. And we just hit a quarter of a million downloads. That's right. So that's not, you know, partially examined life numbers or anything. <laughs> kind of- so we want to thank you for downloading. Thank you for emailing us. We're going to do an email episode soon or at least a big long segment on emails. You can email us at verybadwizards at gmail.com. Contact us at peas at Tamler and at verybadwizards. Check out Matt Welch's Tumblr page. And if you'd like to support us, you can support us on PayPal and also by clicking on our Amazon link on the support page. And rate us on iTunes. And I think we're finally going to make the decision to to make T-shirts. Yes. Okay. Oh, cool. Aren't you in charge of that? You let David make them. They're going to be enormous. You like down to your uh, the, uh, that's racist. <laughs> and, uh, listen, Mr. Oh, S- this right. is Mr. Medium. But I, I did want to say a little bit during the break, we were talking about, I mean, I think this this movie and a, there are a couple of movies, they, they came out at a formative time. This one just at the beginning for me. 1989, when it came out, I was in, I think, getting a ninth grade probably. My high school years were, were really actually... Uh, marked by some serious events that had to do with race. I mean, the Rodney King verdict the and the riots. There's a couple of movies that incited this, that were accused of inciting violence. This movie came out, a, a much inferior movie, I think, uh, if you want it heavy-handed. It was Boys in the Hood by John Singleton, who was sort of trying to capture this. Like, the, I, I you know, like that movie. I'm... It's it's good, but it's just nothing. I mean, the, the moral complexity that it's in this movie, which I want to talk about actually, is not, yeah. just not there. But but I remember there just being a lot of tension. Kids that had all grown up together in a fairly integrated way all of a sudden found themselves having to take a stance on some of these these issues. And it was it was tough, but, I, but because we were friends and talked about it explicitly, I think, these these were the reference points for us, you know. Kids were wearing black medallions and and claiming Afrocentric living. White kids were um, intimidated by this and mad. Like this was all happening as a microcosm on my campus in this little private school in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And this movie you actually went to was, a private school. Yeah, I remember that for our next rap battle. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> yes, it was a bunch of poor people put together. Not like you're from. Massachusetts. I went to public schools. Suburban Massachusetts. But uh, these movies, I think, helped us talk about this shit as it was going on. And I think that were it not for movies like this and like making it okay to even discuss these things, like it would have been a much more uncomfortable and volatile environment. Let's start to get back into the movie and talk about Sal. Because reading about the movie, there's an interesting side plot where Danny Aiello, who played Sal... And played him very well, I think. Didn't really think that Sal was racist and had no and, – and, and fought to, pretty hard to make himself sympathetic. Whereas Spike Lee does think he's racist and to this day, even with the performance, thinks that he's racist. And there's a sort of – you know, obviously this is not a dichotomous thing, racist or not racist. Right. But – One of the things I would say is a credit to Spike Lee in this movie is how sympathetic he allows Sal to be. 
I mean, there are so many scenes devoted to contrasting Sal to his racist son, Pino, and also how hard he is on some of the members of the black community in there. Right. Um, I, I think this is, the, this, is, this is why this film is as good as it is. I mean, not because he's hard on people, but because he does not make it easy. And this is what I was pointing out with the John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, the Singleton film, where I think it's like, well, it's clear who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, what should happen. Yeah. Which, you know, there's no, you know, Spike Lee's a bad father, right? Spike Lee, uh, Spike Lee is in some sense criticizing. He's lazy, like he's, he's lazy. a bad worker. Yeah, like, he does not do saying, a good job. He doesn't, he doesn't work. <laughs> he keeps saying that he's going to make his money and you never quite believe him. And that's from his performance. Like you yeah. never, you just never quite believe he's like, he's else. got a son that he doesn't see. He's, he's sleeping in his sister. He's mooching off his sister. Who's a little bit too good to be true. It's a weird character, his character, because he's unsympathetic if you describe him and that, and yet you really kind of like him throughout the movie. Or at yeah. least I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even like Spike Lee that much. As no, I know. This but is- I like him. Like, I like Mookie. No, no, I agree. You but like what him. about Sal? So what what was your reaction to Sal as a character? Yeah, I read the same thing you guys did, um, which is that there was disagreement about whether he was racist. And I, I do think that I feel that same thing, you know? So in a way, the the easy answer would be, he uses the N-word in anger at the end, and that makes him a racist, end of story. Um, right. But against that, you know, you have to weigh that he's been extremely sympathetic and even-handed throughout the rest of the film. He's built his business there. He's not interested in leaving. He feels a part of the community. Um, he employs people from the community. Right. So I think there really is in the scene right before that Mookie, there'll always be a place for you here at Sal's. Right. Although, you know, if we look at what bugging out is, I think that the sympathetic read of the criticism of Sal is that he's in he's in the community. But aside from employing Mookie, right, which which maybe Spike thought was a way of getting close to his sister. But I don't know. I don't buy that, but but aside from from that, um, there's a way in which I think that the the bigger criticism here is that you you've taken our money all this time, you know, you feed off of our community, but what do you do to contribute to the community? Wait, that doesn't um, make any I, sense. I'm not, I'm, like, I, I mean, as a criticism, I, I mean, I'm not a, a saying that you like really believe this, but yeah, like, I'm not endorsing it. How or are you not. harming? That that's the, it's, it's, it, nobody's no, no, forced no, to I, buy his pizza. You know what I mean? I just don't get this argument. It's like they give him money. Not, he gives them pizza. Like what's the, where's the exploitation? I, so, so right. And I'm not endorsing it. I'm trying to give it a fair read. Right. So this is not an accusation of harm, but rather one of like, you know, like, are you part of this community or not? Um, and we've been going here for 25 years, giving you your money and you can't even put a brother like, well, I mean, I, I think that's the criticism you can make of him because I, I, I think anybody who says he's just being nice to black people to get to Mookie's sister is that's insane. He's clearly been nice the entire time. He's really nice to the mayor at the beginning of the movie right. when uh, like everyone, uh, like every black person's mean to the mayor. For right. some reason, which I don't right. totally get. Mother, sister, yeah. especially. Mother, yeah. sister, well, I, but also know, those guys. Those guys yeah. just like harass him. The, yeah. the the four guys led by you know the Martin Lawrence gang, but it's not his gang. 
but 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 the one thing is, why can't you put a black, you know, like a black hero on the wall? Right. You know, like so that's, Spike that, that, is wearing that, a Jackie Robinson jersey the whole time, right? You know, so like put toss up Jackie Robinson as a yeah as a gesture. You know, like that would be a nice gesture. I don't know if it's required. Yeah, so it wouldn't be required of like a Starbucks that opened there. Um, and it certainly probably wouldn't be required of even Sal, but it is. I think it's his unwillingness to to even listen to this that that rubs them the wrong way. But again, not you know. Yeah. We'll get into whether that's enough to riot. Like, <laughs> like let's, let's be clear. <laughs> well, that's not the. I mean, to no, be no, fair, no. that's not the reason. The, yeah, there's a lot in between that and the riot. Right. Um, the riot is a separate question that we should definitely talk about uh can we just talk about a couple other interesting scenes one was with those three greek chorus guys sweet dick willie deputy ops and the other (laughs) guy where they're complaining about the koreans look at those korean motherfuckers across the street I bet you they haven't been off the boat a year before they open up their own place. That's right, man. It's been about a year. A motherfucking year off the motherfucking boat, and they already got a business in our neighborhood, a good business, occupying a building that had been boarded up for longer than I care to remember. And I've been here a long time. Well, he's been here a long time. Here, boy. (laughs) And now, for the life of me, you know, I can't figure this out. Either of them Korean motherfuckers are geniuses, or you black asses are just plain dumb. <laughs> Fuck you. It's got to be because we are black. Ain't no wait, other wait, explanation. Wait, wait, no, no, I know, man. The, you, you know, man, true, ain't they always trying to keep the black, black man to be about shit? Oh, I'm saying, motherfuckers, holding shit down. Tired of hearing that old excuse. Tired of hearing that shit. You know, I, shit. Tell you, I swear, man. I will be one happy fool when we open our own business right here in our neighborhood. I swear to God, I will be the first in line to spend what little money I got. Right there with you, man. You motherfuckers always talking that old Keith Sweat shit. I'm gone. Yeah. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. You ain't gonna do a goddamn thing. You ain't gonna sit y'all monkey ass on this corner. Hey, M.F., when you gonna get your business? Huh? Yeah, just like I thought. You ain't gonna do a goddamn thing. But I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm going to go over there and get them Koreans some more of my money. The fuck out of my way. God damn, it's Miller time, motherfuckers. Old moosehead fuckers tell me what to do. And Coconut, you got a lot of damn nerve. You got off the boat, too. Hell, leave me alone. Shoot. Hey, Kung Fu! Come on, give me one of them damn beers, damn it. What? It was interesting to me because... I feel like if a white person writes that scene, they're accused of being racist. That, yeah, well, that, this is if the right person. If a white person writes this movie, if a white person writes, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of scenes in this movie they're considered racist. But there is that perspective of black people are complicit in a lot of the ills. Not all of them, but a lot of them, black people are complicit. That perspective is not just gestured towards at some point in the movie, but is a fairly dominant theme in the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why that's why it's good. It's not simple. Yeah. Like the, to to consider that the black community would have one opinion on this matter and they would be unified would be ridiculous. You know, if if you want to see a great example of of this this conflict within the community um watch the boondocks uh the the aaron magruder turned animated cartoon comic strip that turned animated cartoon every single character there represents 
probably a different perspective on the ills of the black community and the successes of it and the problems and the solutions. Um, but they are all very much perspectives from the black community. It's just that they conflict and the complexity of, of, you know, representing these viewpoints and not just saying like, you know, well, obviously it's, you know, all black people would think that this is racist or not. Right? Well, it, but, but I guess it's the thing that surprised me the most when I went back to it is how much of that is in this movie. You know, especially given Spike Lee's sort of persona yeah. since this movie. Right, yeah. Right, that, yeah. Like, that was I was surprised, very impressed that, that that's right. just out there. And it's not just out there from racist white people who also believe it, certainly, yeah. you know. So I think if you watch this movie, like knowing only about Spike Lee, what you might, you know, read in the paper. I don't know how much this is his fault or just oversimplification. Um, but he does come across as, you know, kind of very militant and one-sided. Um, yeah. And then you watch this movie and it's so nuanced and it's definitely not, you know, here's these saintly victims and here's the evil oppressors. Um, there's bad yeah. stuff coming from, from every side. And certainly like yeah. the black people in the movie are at a structural disadvantage. Like the cops roll in there and can start beating the shit out of them. And there's really no consequences. Right. So that's clear. But like in terms of the individuals and like, are they doing the right thing or not? Like it's so mixed. I felt the same thing, like the Spike Lee that we know sort of it may maybe actually as a result of the way that this movie was interpreted, I think, by the by the media, or at least some of the media um, sort of got this militant role thrust upon him or he embraced it. Um, but it's unclear to me what Spike thinks the right thing to do is here. And I think it's this indecision sh- shines through. And what I was going to say about the. um the the mayor character the old man who's clearly a drunk he's trying to scrounge for his miller high life but nonetheless he wears a suit and he's very respectful to everybody that he talks to um this you know this this character does good like he saves a little boy's life he buys flowers for mother's sister um but he's also sort of an apologist he's the one trying to stop the the violence when it happens right like don't don't let this happen and, and I couldn't help but think, and maybe this is imagery that's no longer with us, but there is a, you know, Uncle Remus. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Uncle Remus character, Song of the South. There is this view of the sort of old, kindly former slave who makes, who's very yeah. good at making peace. He's very kind and he's very gentle and he tells stories to kids. And, uh, but he, but he impedes the kind of progress that I think Spike Lee is pulling for in this movie. I, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I'll I put think. a link to Uncle Remus. The Uncle Remus character, it's, Disney doesn't release Song of the South anymore because that that sort of character is viewed as, as sort of heavily uh, racist uh, now. But he's from the Brother Rab- the Brer Rabbit tales, like he's the, the narrator, the kindly old. And again, even if that's the intention, it's a tribute to Spike Lee that he makes him so sympathetic, and even if he's playing that role. Like, yeah, that, and even at yeah. the end, yeah, when you're like saying like, wait, no, he's saying no, and he's saying yeah, like it's unclear to me even what's, what the director thinks ought to happen yeah. at that moment. Um, and yeah. and his treatment of the people on the other side, so Bugging Out, for example, who's like the most right. kind of angry. I don't think that he's particularly sympathetic to him either. I mean, he comes across as this kind of buffoon. He is a buffoon and he's a rabble rouser and he's pretty ignorant, right? Yeah. And he's, yep. you know, there is an interesting irony here that, that uh, there's a point which he's ranting against the Italian American, like talking about how this, the, the bugging out character is talking about like all of the Italians on the wall. The actor, Giancarlo Esposito is actually, his father's Italian. 
<laughs> like he's actually half Italian. So, uh, so just to see him yelling those insults at Italians is kind of funny. I, I have no idea whether Spike Lee intended this or not, but the, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yoel. Like I, I think that actually, if anything, it's almost like some of the black characters are portrayed too unsympathetically. You know, bugging out. Radio Rahim, right. not that he's bad during them, but like like a little bit more of his good side, you know? Yeah. Well, like, you know, it's, it's funny. In my memory, Radio Rahim was nothing but a sympathetic character. Right. So because I know what happened at the end, so if you've listened this long, like you've probably seen the movie, but uh, Radio Rahim is actually um, killed at the end by the cops. Because of that, I sort of, had a memory of him not engaging in those really antagonistic uh, behaviors. And I think, and so I don't know, I'm sort of, as I was thinking about this character and why Spike Lee would have, um, I, you know, not made him either more bad or just all good. Or just a lo- like, like he seems either bad or neutral throughout right. the whole movie. There's like, a- there's never anything that makes you really like him. I mean, just he gives that um, love hate, right? Which uh, apparently wasn't mama. in the script. Yeah, he wears these two rings, love on his left. Well, no, hand. no, it's definitely it's a it's a almost direct homage to Night of the Hunter, the movie that we that came up in the. The villains that you wouldn't let me talk about. We're already talking about too <laughs> you mean many number, movies. Number eighteen, but this is uh, Robert Mitchum had love and hate written on his yeah. on on his knuckles, and it's you can YouTube this, but the speeches are almost identical. Ah, uh, really? Well, yeah. maybe his claim was that it wasn't originally in the script, and he convinced Spike to, to make that homage or whatever. To do I did that? Not know. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah good no. You got to see the night night of the hunter. Uh, back to Raider Raheem. Maybe what I got out of it, I don't know if Spike and Lee intends this, but what he's saying is like, look, I know this guy was annoying and he's probably made, you know, he made him very big, physically strong and intimidating and annoying, like rude. And I think that what he's trying to say is like, I know that there are people like this, but that doesn't mean they're the threats that you think you seem to think that they are. Um and but nobody nobody yeah. thinks he's a big threat. Well, the cops, like, the, the cops, the, the, the cops kill, do. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But but in the neighborhood, nobody. No, thinks no, in he's the neighborhood, everybody threat. loves. All they him. just want him. They just want him to not like blast music in their establishment. Which, you know, again, this is one of the dated things. The the, the <laughs> I would say if I had to pick the most dated scene in this entire movie it's that boombox showdown <laughs> that was awesome puerto ricans <laughs> yeah that is so funny it was like a western whose boombox is going to be louder <laughs> and radio raheem wins and the, and and it's so funny like the, the 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 shot on the i don't know if he's he's just some hispanic uh, oh, there we go here, here is, comes, he, is he here is he puerto rican i don't know but <laughs> he just nods his head turns yeah. off oh, his boombox and goes like nice job bro it was fair fair battle like, yeah um it's like the drag race equivalent when you only have two blocks 
right? <laughs> you, know, you know, have a fucking card. I, I want to say as an aside, because I don't know, when Radio Rahim goes into the Korean store and orders 20D batteries, and he's very impatient with the Korean store owners because they don't speak English. Yeah, this uh, is where you well. see him transitioning into like, yes, like the heat has gotten to him. Yeah, he's kind of a dick about it. And he's just telling learn to speak English, motherfucker, 20D. And he makes them count the batteries again, yeah. even after they put it in the, makes them check the date. That little sample was used, Radio Rahim saying 20D batteries. And then they go, motherfuck you. That little clip was used in an Ice Cube album uh, that he released in, I think, 1990, 1991, uh, for a song called Black Korea, which was really, really a racist song against the Korean community in Los Angeles. And it was quite controversial, especially right around the riots. This was right before right before the Rodney King riots. Um, it's essentially inciting violence toward Korean community, uh, Korean store owners. And every time I hear that, I can't help but hear that song and what it did. Knowing Korean kids whose parents owned some of these stores, like how, how much it affected, how much it turned out to have. You know, we've all seen those iconic images of Korean store owners putting black owned in front of their in front of their store and sitting on the. Have you seen these pictures sitting on the, the roof of their building with a gun? With a gun. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 I remember those pictures. Yeah. yeah, and talk about taking the clip out of its original context, right? Like, I yeah, would interpret exactly. it the exact opposite. Right, they really, they showed remarkable restraint in that right. scene, actually, um, which is another just, I mean, like radio, ha- they, they ha- he had no beef with them, right. right? There's no reason for him to just start insulting them. And, and that's what's so interesting about this movie. Because on the one hand, there's this one scene where the cops are kind of <laughs> driving down in slow motion. You know the gay the the porn cop. He just looks like a yeah. gay porn cop. Like, exactly. So like the mustache and it, it looks like he fit the stripper outfit. You know, right, right. He could be at a boogie nights or something. <laughs> like, and he's just looking at them, and it's just all the contempt and like great. Right. You know, so so there's that. There's the on 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 the wall behind them. The Tawana told the truth. She was this black woman that she claimed that she was gang raped by a lot of people, including the police. Her story was ultimately in court discredited, but you know, a lot of people thought she still told the truth and she just wasn't able to prove it. Right. Uh, so there's that element of it. But at the same time, it, it, he really bends over backwards to make the, the main actors in the violence you know, that you, that you have a lot of problems with them going in to it. So what surprised me, if, if we continue then to sort of the, the, the event that sets it all off, the store had been closed, but they reopened it to let, let in some hungry kids. And Radio Rahim comes in again. You know, I guess he's had a rough day, but again with the radio. And, uh, and this is sort of what sets everything off, right? The insults come out. Uh, he asks them to turn the radio down. He refuses. And, and bugging out is like the shot is like this diagonal shot. This is where things are starting to explode. And then he, you know, he he destroys Radio <laughs> Rahim's boombox. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. Yes, he's straight out racist to suck away. What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about that pitch? What the fuck are you dead now? Are you? Fuck you! We want the black people on that motherfucking wall of fame now! We close and you guinea bastard for good! For good, motherfucker! Until you get the black people on that motherfucking wall of fame! You fucking close me! You got that right! You black cocksucker! I'll fucking tear your fucking nigger ass! Nigger, nigger, nigger. 
I saw an interview with with the actor who played Radio Raheem, and he yeah. says sometimes people be like, "Where's your boombox radio?" And he'll be like, "Did you not fucking see the movie?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a, there's a great shot of him just looking at it, just like, like as if it like, were his like dog. it's his kid, yeah, yeah. his dog, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Yoel, take us through the <laughs> remainder of the movie. Uh, so this is where it takes a turn for the very ugly. Radio Rahim is upset, and he basically tries to choke Sal to death with his hands. And there's all sorts of other shit just go, goes crazy, basically. Everybody's fighting. They're tearing the place apart. The cops show up, and they put Rahim in a chokehold and kill him. But But don't skip over the fact that when they got Rahim in the chokehold, he was choking. Sal. He was. That's right. That's right. So he, he has Sal and on the ground yeah. outside. They pull him off of Sal. They're like holding him up with a nightstick, and then then they choke him to death. And there's actually this moment yeah. where one of porn the, cop, porn cops, the choker or the yeah, he's yeah. the choker, right? Yeah. Hispanic cop is the one who's like, is, who's oh. like put him down. He's had enough because right. everyone there's this moment where everyone's saying like enough, put him down, right? Put him right. Down, yeah. And he doesn't. And there's a shot of his feet dangling, which is a clear, rattle. which is a clear uh, like lynching shot in the Air Jordans, uh, right? Yeah, but but you know, that's what I I raised the like the that he was choking Sal because I didn't I also didn't remember this like I think that Radio Rahim had become a martyr in my memory. Me too. Just yeah. guy who had never hurt anybody. He just wanted to play his radio, and people got like people were racist, and they killed him. And I didn't remember that like da- you know he damn near looked like he was going to kill Sal yeah. if nobody pulled him off. Yeah. Right. So it was an excessive reaction on everybody's part. It's just that the cops have here. The cops have the power. Right. Right. Radio Rahim kills Sal. Boom. He's dead, man. He's right. just a goner. So right. it's, a, again, like a resistance to making things simple. Right. It's not like yeah, this guy exactly. is a martyr. Exactly. Yeah. And it's funny how my memory had erased that because I sort of wanted to. Me too. Yeah. So then there's this. But then all of a sudden <laughs> the police are just gone. Yeah. They well, just take I mean, the body and the, the, bail. There's only three of them. They, they're they're going to they better get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Or, or call backup, right? Well, yeah, I think they did call backup because that's why soon after the cars came. I don't. But wait, that, so what's the timeline? When does the riot start? I mean, the riot starts in between that. So, I, you know, we don't know if oh, the cars okay. came as a response to the riot or. But I think that at least okay. given the Fair timeline, enough. it seems yeah, like they right. had to prepare and like they would have called. Yeah. But but you could see in the eyes of the cops, like, we better get out of here. Like yeah. they were going to be outnumbered. So um, so now at so, this point, the, the cops have bailed. Um, there's yeah. a crowd of angry residents outside the restaurant. Yeah. Sal and his two sons are standing with Mookie outside the restaurant. And then Mookie sort of slips away and joins the crowd of locals. So essentially like, all right, you guys are on your own. And then right. the, the scene that's, I think the most difficult to interpret, he's sort of in this, in this way that doesn't, Mookie doesn't look angry. He's just sort of affectless. Right. He's sort of chilling right. on the stoop for a while, watching what's going on. And he's like, huh? He grabs a trash can and he chucks it through the window. Wait, he takes the lid off. He takes the he liner takes the, out. Right. right. This is like all to show like this. This is deliberate. This is like perfectly right. deliberate action that I'm doing. Right. Like right. I don't want to fuck up these people's garbage. Right. <laughs> right. So puts the, the lid to one side, the liner to one side, and then throws the trash can through the window. And that's then that's where the actual riot starts. The riot. And they, they, you know, run into the restaurant, they trash it, they set it on fire. Um, but I think maybe right. we should stop here and talk about that. What is going on in that moment? Like, what that are we moment, supposed to make of yeah. that? Right. Uh, when the minute I saw the very first thing that uh, that Smiley offers to Spike is Malcolm or Martin. 
and he he picks Malcolm in that opening right. sort of thing. And and I, I couldn't help but see that as as the choice that that Mookie's making at the very end. Right. Whether or well, not that's what Malcolm would would want. I, you know. Just as a lead into this, Spike Lee has often complained about the fact that everyone focused on whether he did the right thing by throwing the garbage can through the window, but nobody focuses on the fact that Radio Rahim has been killed. And it's true that there's this Joe Klein review that we'll post a link to, and also David Denby review, which calls it one of the most self-destructive, violent acts that you'll ever see on cinema or something like that. Ridiculous. Just like like old, racist, white, because they're both from New York Magazine at the time. And... At the same time, though, obviously we're not for cops strangling people to death. (laughs) Spike is the reason there's not that much debate about that is because it's It's obvious uh, that we're against. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, that we're against that. You know, like the thing that there's debate on is whether he should have thrown that. You know, this guy had been really good to him. You know, he didn't kill Radio Rahim. And so, like, that's the that's the interesting moral question. It's the interesting moral question isn't whether the porn cop should have like strangled Radio Rahim. Right. Today. Well, I think I think even more than that, I think that may- if it, if there's anything to what Spike Lee is saying, or what he, at least he ought to be saying, is that it is interesting that that final act is what people are saying that the title refers to, when in fact there are a number of decisions throughout where you are wondering whether the actors are doing the right thing. Like, is Spike being a good father? Right. Is is mother sister being right to criticize the mayor? I mean, if you're going to call your movie do the right thing, it sounds like there's like a specific action. Those are more just like, but that's are there be are they being good people? I don't you can grammatically. I think that it can refer to a a collective of acts. But I think that's just this. I think it's quite a simplistic take on it like that, that. That that Spike is only questioning. He's built no, no, up. No, no, no. The I'm whole not saying he's only like, questioning that. I'm yeah. I, I'm saying that he can't complain that people have focused on that. The title is about. I mean, in some ways, he should just shut up as an artist and let people just work it out. Yeah. But he can he can complain that that was the thing that that there is lack of sophistication in the audience that they think of the last thing as as really the key decision to like how to make black and white get along. The key decisions are like throughout, right? Right. Like, but, what is the right way in which yeah. we should? Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's totally true. But I do think it's weird to put in this this action, which is kind of crucial to the rest of what unfolds, and that's kind of baffling. And then to be like, "Why are you guys so focused on that?" Obviously, it's like it's designed to draw your attention. Like, how are you the not going movie, to? He had been defending Sal and, and even in the Radio Rahim Sal showdown, he, he starts out telling Buggin' Out and Radio Rahim to cool it. Like he's on Sal's side there, as Yoel said. Thing that makes him go over to the other side is that they killed Radio Rahim. And he says that when they talk the next day, he says they killed Radio Rahim. Like that's yeah. just what – well, so I, I think here here's what I, I guess what I'm trying to say, which is that as an audience, you're right. It's not like this is the central question for us. But I think that to Spike Lee at the time, and I think the very reason he makes that action so deliberate, so slow and so calculated, and then and then have the balls to justify it the next morning when he's asking for his money which is because is Spike yeah. actually thinks that that was the right thing to do. And I think that for him, the question is not, 
should Spike have thrown, should Mookie have thrown the garbage can? The question is, like, what are these other, you know, don't forget, like, all this other part of the movie that that built up to it. Like, what is the right thing to do in this situation? What should we do about, like, alcoholic, homeless uh, Demayer? What should we do about Rabble Rouser, who only cares about his Jordans and his violent? What should we do about Hector, who's being raised with a, you know, low-life father? What should we do about the clear racism of John Turturro's? You know, all of those things, I think, I can understand why he'd be frustrated that people seem to, as the media did, turn it into a movie about should black people riot or not. No, that's fair. No, the reference. Yeah, no, the I, reference. I, I get the spirit of the complaint, <laughs> which is that you should focus on other stuff besides yeah. that last scene. Yeah. That said, let's focus on it because we have been actually. We've done a good job in not. <laughs> you not should be happy with us. Uh, yeah. Who wants to to make the argument that that was the right thing to do? I mean, because David, I will. You will. Okay. Uh, well, I definitely okay. will. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I'm surprised, actually. I'm surprised. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I, I, I do think, like, I, I mean, here's the my take on that. And, and, and it relates to the, the mayor character. It's like, we can't keep going on like this. You know, it's just like a slow death that we're dying right now. And... You know, like anytime we we act up, the cops will come in and and, and kill us. At some point, you just got to take a stand. And I think it's a tribute to the movie is that Mookie was somebody that had nothing to complain about. Like Sal had treated him really well. Yeah, he had to deal with Pino's racism. There's also a younger brother that's nicer, that's nice to him. And Sal is clearly the guy in charge. And Sal likes loves Mookie and puts up with a lot of shit from Mookie as an employee. And I think, and actually just to get back to the creepy, like I think actually uh, Sal genuinely has affection and concern for Mookie and his family. Like, I don't think it's actually creepy with his sister. I think he's actually looking out for these, for these guys. Like, and I I mean, mean, he might have, I think he does probably have a crush on that sister given that scene, but But he's like, uh, he's being a father figure and, and I think in a way that is endearing. Um, and that that Mookie accuses him of unfairly. But, you know, like, this is a thing. It's like, we got to do something. We can't just let the cops, you know, this is the only way that they can do it. Oh, that's, I think that's the key to your argument, because what everything you've been saying up to now is do something. But right. why is that the right thing, right? Well, I, I mean, I'm not, look, is it the right thing in the sense that could there have been a more productive response yeah, probably. But it is is that in that moment the right way to express your anger given what happened? Maybe. Well, I, and, and this is, again, you know, not to be a dead horse. This is why I think Mookie didn't act out of anger. You know, I think that he wants to mount an, an argument for this being the right thing. And I don't know what that is. I thought this is what I thought you were going to take a stab at. But but it's clearly not that like frustration has made me just grab the, the nearest thing and throw no, no, it. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Right. This is no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's like a impulsive thing. I'm right. saying it's like this is like this is we're we're, we're letting we're we're and, and and this is why I think he makes Sal so sympathetic. The kind of oppression that we're suffering right now is not the obvious kind of oppression of being thrown into camps or ghettos. Or people constantly insulting us. It's a more structural, more institutionalized kind of oppression. And the police are playing a big role in it. And 
The, you know, Sal's pizza is a part of that structure. Even though Sal himself is a good guy, he represents that kind of benign form of oppression that's just slowly destroying this community. Right. And so that, this is a way of striking back at that. So that last part, I think, gets closest to actually, because everything you set up until there is like, well, yeah, I, you know, I agree like that there is this very, pro- there's a problem and it's a particular kind of problem in this historical context. It's not the same as a civil rights era or or, you know, post-Civil War era or anything like that. But it is the the act itself that I I was waiting for a more positive defense. And that's, I think, as close as, as you get, which is that, like, look, it's not about Sal. and It's so, definitely not about Sal. And in like, fact, the fact that he throws it, garbage can, into Sal's, despite the relationship, is trying to send a message, I think. What do you think, Yoel? I don't yeah. know. I, I, I just, I have trouble with the case being, you know, you've made anybody better off by burning down that pizza place. Granting all your stuff about structural oppression, how does uh, burning down a place that adds to the neighborhood make you better off in any way? Well, you know, I mean, I... But that's the trap, I think, that they keep falling into. It's like, we got to do something, because whatever we're doing right now isn't working. At least they weren't burning their own shit. (laughs) I mean, when you... You know, I think it's a it's a fair question to ask of any riot, whether a, a riot where there's rampant destruction of, of property, you know, that's that was incited because not because the Lakers won or something, but because of injustice, whether that ever has a positive net benefit on any of the community. And and I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I don't even know how I would begin to answer it. I know sort of like in in the history of this country, you know, the things like the Watts riots stand out as points in time that if not if if they didn't causally shift the way that the nation thought about it they certainly marked something and um i i don't know that i could mount an argument for like it being required for social justice but but you know i I mean maybe it helps to to talk about the tension what the 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 opposition the the malcolm versus martin that that he was coming with like should they have just sat down and and prevented the police from well, we should post the, the two quotes that end the movie. Those are two different kinds of responses. And I think the idea was the Martin Luther King approach isn't getting us anywhere. Like we've been doing that for too long. Or at least it got us to this point, right? It got us okay, past civil enough. rights yeah. era, right? Yeah. But, but now we got to get to like actually flourishing in the society, right? Yeah. And I don't know. And like, it's what, tough like, to say the way to do that is to burn down pizza shops. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's never right in, in that it's a destructive thing to do. Right. I mean, you would have to mount an argument that the, the symbolic nature of that act would actually motivate people to do more. And like, I think that would require some a little bit of gymnastics. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm torn and I'm and I'm OK being torn because. Yeah, I'm totally torn too. gun to my head. I'll defend it, but I totally see the other side of it, too. Well, sorry, I cut you off, Dave. Uh, no, I, and you're I, the closest to a black person <laughs> I can express. Well, you know, the, the uh, I so I think that there might so you might say like we have 25 years of knowledge about what some of these riots like. I think there's a very there's very much a difference between the civil rights riots um, and the riots that might have come afterwards. So when I was a little kid, 
uh, in Miami, Florida, our, our school was in a very bad neighborhood. Um, and there were race riots in this, I think this was 82, 83 because of, uh, I believe it was a motorist that had been beaten as well. Hor- horrible race, race riots. Uh, then in California again, now in 92 with the Rodney King riots, those riots, it's harder for me given, given 25 years of reflection to say that anything good came of them, right? To say that these had, these did anything but devastate the communities that were expressing their anger and frustration. And in hindsight, I think it's probably clearly the wrong thing to do, but I don't know that I I don't know that it, in the moment Mookie would have had that in his head, right? I think maybe he's saying this is like a civil rights riot. Maybe we should try this again. I guess I, I, I think you can say that it's it's never helped, but not doing it has never helped either. Not <laughs> rioting has not helped either. You know what I mean? Like I think that's the frustration at the center of the movie. Like there's a little bit of a – there's a there's a pessimism about the movie that you lash out because because not lashing out hasn't worked. Right. And you know, like if this can still happen, I mean, again, what makes it complicated is that Radio Rahim was like almost killing Sal yeah. before that happened. But still, yeah. you know, like this is this is referring to this yeah. this event actually happened where a cop strangled the guy to death. Yeah. You know, like you can understand the perspective of this whole thing of being nice and trying to go the Bill Cosby way. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's not. <laughs> that, that means something new now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. We've, we've, I think, tr- like intentionally avoided Avoid that topic. That, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, so I don't know. The, the, the way of integrating and uh, assimilating and trying to like that's just not that's not helping like there's been all these structural things and and they have to do with neighborhoods they have to do with like pricing out people of different neighbor you know yeah. like you know and, and it's interesting that sal is the one since he was there first that sal is the one that has to suffer for this there's yeah. clearly like a he's collateral damage yeah. in whatever the goal of this thing is but let me offer this perspective because I just – so maybe maybe this is an act of just pure – I don't know if nihilism is the right word, but I'll stick with it for now and, and don't you don't read too much into it. But this is an actual – under the guise of do we go the Martin route or the, or the Malcolm route, this is neither. This is the expression of apathy – laziness anger and frustration, frustration that nothing yeah. has worked and that yeah. and and it's a feeling that i can resonate with i think cu- coming out of Re- the the Re- reagan era where shit was just bad man the cities were just uh just completely downtrodden you know there was reagan had led all of the the mentally disabled people out of the hospitals um uh, because he didn't want to keep them there uh it's too expensive so you have a bunch of homeless people you have crack hitting you have, I think, the height at least of apathy in my political memory. And it's an era that I feel like I emerged as a political creature from. Like I, I thought like this is just all hopeless, completely hopeless. And so Mookie's act is just one of like, fuck if I know, man. Just burn this shit. Right. Just yeah. burn this shit, man. You yeah. I, I, I don't think you can mount a philosophical justification for it 
I think you can mount a and yeah, fuck it. Yeah, and here's a different way it. to read it. So here's a way in which you can see like he's he's been playing the role of this good sort of like educated African American middle class guy who's going to give us this movie about like is it the Malcolm way or the Martin way, and what he paints is a community that has new problems that are so fucking deep that can't be solved with civil rights era strategies that as he is, as, as Smiley goes inside the burning Sal's pizzeria and he puts up Malcolm and Martin together, what is he doing, man? He's putting that shit to burn it down. That shit's going to burn. Like these, this is not the solution of our community anymore. You were looking there for a solution, but like that's interesting it's like it's not which approach is better it's that neither of these approaches are working and guess what they're both dead they're both dead right yeah (laughs) that's what happened with that (laughs) yeah it's definitely consistent with the rest of the movie not ever having a character who's who you can root for a hundred percent or where you're like oh this guy knows what's going on he's got the truth you know like most of these people are they're just wandering around Doing yeah. different Mookie. varieties of the wrong thing, like yeah, Mookie's right. the Mookie closest to yeah, and he but he he wasn't a political guy at all. No. Like, he wasn't angry at injustice. No. Like he just wanted to get paid, right? So like you yeah. know, it's, right? Should we all of a sudden expect him to have like this well worked out ideology about the best way to like fight the power? Like that that seems crazy, right? It makes much right, more right. sense as yeah. he's just like ah, fuck this. Exactly, and when even when you look at like his Jackie Robinson jersey. Is sporting some shit, man. He's looking for Jackie Robinson, Air Jordans are this it, sort of one in the same here. This is not Spike Lee talking about what a brave man Jackie Robinson was. It's Spike sporting a fresh, clean, you know, 42 jersey. It's frustration and it's apathetic frustration. Who is the most sympathetic character in this movie? I I, th- I think the ca- the candidates are the mayor, Sal, are the ma- Mo- Mookie maybe, but I think barely. Mookie's sister. Jade, I think Mookie's Jade, sister. Yeah. yeah, but but but, but she's almost too good. Well, she's not enough. We don't know enough. Yeah, about she's her. not around she's that just, much. She's made to be like a good person, but I don't think uh, the mayor is that sympathetic. He's really he's an alcoholic who saved that yeah. kid. Hey, he's saved today. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, I know that he's he's saved his kid, but I think that this is at least at least what he's representing is like, you know, when that crew gets around him and they're just insulting him and insulting him, what they're pointing to is you guys are the bottom dwellers. You guys are have not been productive. All you've done is beg and drink and beg and drink. And so yeah, but who are kid. they to say that? I there mean, are people who you have grown up like- in a community who might have had alcoholic dads or grandfathers or something like to see him day in, day out, coming and begging for money for beer has to be frustrating for them. But this didn't could you find productive- that like just like I found that so frustrating that that scene because, yeah, maybe. But he didn't have it any better growing up than they did. It's not like he grew up in a community of supportive dual parent households with good ed- education. These are guys like they're just tormenting this old guy for no reason. At no point is there anything is there even a suggestion that they're doing anything productive for the neighborhood themselves. I mean, Martin Lawrence literally has this like gaping just his mouth is kind of hanging open the whole time. It <laughs> was like, a weird Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't help but read 
that this is a is a criticism of the generation that could have turned things around by Spike Lee. I'm not endorsing it, but I, I don't think that Spike was intending to be that sympathetic. I mean, mother sister, who is, you know, the figure of the matriarchal black American community is devastating in her criticism and, and hatred of him. Right. But why could they have turned it around more than this current generation? Like, I'm not offering anything other than I think that there is a real antipathy toward the drunk homeless man who's begging for money, who is represents something in that that previous generation that had hope and optimism yeah. and turned into sort of, you know. Right. No, they fair marched. enough. Yeah. What about mother sister? Because I did not find her sympathetic. She's not sympathetic I, at all. But I think yeah. that she is. What is she? Like, what's her, what does she represent? I was very confused by her. Like, I mean, Jade is the, pers- the, the, the person who's doing something positive, you know, like really trying to make something of herself. I get that. But mother, sister, I don't totally get, you know. I, so but, he, here's where, and I, unless you all you want to chime in. I got nothing. I mean, here's where, you know, and I even hesitate to, to read too much into sort of what it means to be in the African-American community. Like this is all grain of salt, like, you know, but, but I do get, I did see this character as representing exactly that, that matriarchal line of strong women who, who have sort of shouldered the African-American community for all of the historical reasons that we know have been the strong ones to get them through everything and judgmental, but firm is right. is i think you know she's always watching she's there she's watching and in, in fact she's wailing you know there's this beautiful poetic imagery in the bible of of the of the mother wailing for her children um speaking of the nation of israel and you get this sense that mother sister is wailing for her people um in a way that like she's taking it on herself like these this is what has happened to my community yeah yeah, that's fair. I mean, he calls her mother sister, which I is <laughs> sort of like you know. There's bugging out. There's mother sister. Uh, yeah. There, there. <laughs> I like this movie more and more as just thinking and talking about it. That's a tribute to it, and I, and especially since I don't particularly like Spike Lee's other movies. I, I liked Inside Man. I like. I kind of like She's Got to Have It, but I think somehow I haven't seen Malcolm X. Yeah, you all, you like any of his other films? Uh, I've seen Malcolm X, but it was a long time ago. Um, Malcolm X was good, but it was historical and it was even more heavy handed. I mean, I think here it was like, look, Malcolm X was a good guy. There's not too much ambiguity. It's more of like a recounting of the. That's because Denzel Washington can't be a bad guy. He can't be a bad guy. He can't be a bad guy even in training. (laughs) No way he's going to be a bad guy as Malcolm X. It is weird, though, seeing as how. you know, this is such an iconic movie, but it seems like Spike Lee himself has become sort of—is it fair to say marginal? Yeah, I mean, I was joking about this being Spike Lee's sixth sense, um, but he didn't, you know, and that he made this this really iconic and and you know probably timeless movie. I think it's on people's top hundred lists. It's certainly preserved in the Library of Congress. Definitely. Um, yeah. I got to say, I almost had a little tear shed when I was watching this video of the 25th anniversary and it was sponsored by Beats, like Beats Audio. And I was like, I don't know why it bothered me, but yeah, well, (laughs) you know, like the, like the Jersey, like this, it's marketing, it's selling things to people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, uh, he he then went through a phase where he was that guy at Knicks games that was talking shit to Reggie Miller. You know, like that's how we knew him. Yeah, and Reg, know, Reggie and, Miller choke made him the little choke sign. I actually think it's less that it, it's less his sixth sense because it's not like his movies have been awful. It's more his crimes and misdemeanors, like the last great movie he made. And then he's just made a bunch of hit second. or misses. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's his second one. You know? Well, no, it's his third, right? Uh, she's got to have it. School, oh, days, school days. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I forgot that she's got to have it. Might have been. Uh, yeah. That yeah, she's got to have it. Was his first movie, and uh, but yeah, that's more how I see it. Like it's his last great movie. He's done some good movies. He's done some bad movies, but can't, you know he he could have been at that point. Like you were thinking, this could be the next Scorsese. This is the next big guy that's gonna start giving us movies, uh, great movies, right. every few years, and that just didn't happen. Right. Um, I want to say give a I, I want to give a little bit of time to the, the great sort of fight the power song that that is throughout that really is a, a song that when you hear it you can't help but feel incited to riot. Um, first of all, the you know the production, just the noise. It's a loud, in-your-face song that Radio Rahim is is it's you know he's not playing jazz through that thing. Um, and it starts out the movie, but there's a line in there that always gets me. Uh, partly because of Chuck D, the, the lead singer of Public Enemy, the rapper. He just starts out with his booming voice, and he says, Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. You see, he was straight-up racist. That sucker was simple and plain. Motherfuck him and John Wayne, because I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> Those lyrics, they just give me the chills. <laughs> Yo, Yoel, uh, I feel like you've been quiet. Have I been? Episode. I... You want to have You want to have the last word? We'll get you. No, I'm good. I think it's um, it's been good in that uh, I feel like I understand the ending more than I did um, the first. So I, I first saw this in college, I think, and then rewatched it um, earlier this week. And, and both times I was just like, I, I just don't get this. Like, And I, I was kind of thinking, is, is it that Spike Lee is – I mean he's not trained as an actor – is he trying to convey something <laughs> yeah. like it, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't so come across. Stiff. Yeah, exactly. So Maybe that's, yeah. that's just that he was, he's trying to look angry and he's just not nailing it. You know, there are, there's moments in the movie where Mookie just sort of stares blankly and you have to wonder right. whether that's just Spike Lee, but I am smiling like this. <laughs> yeah. But, but he has some charisma in the movie. I think yeah, he's, too, right? no, that's right. He's not, uncharismatic but like the range that like i think a actual yeah. trained actor would have i yeah that's maybe no that's right it's weird you know he he has a very it's a very offbeat kind of performance and you're right that it there are certain moments where he just seems blank where yep. you wouldn't think he was right, right. Uh, maybe, maybe it's on purpose to, to serve as the straight man for all of the events that are occurring but it doesn't fit with the agent agentic movement at the end <laughs> right. Right. So, but I, I like um, what we've come up with as an explanation of what's going on there. And I think it really, it does fit. Um, and then the title becomes more sort of ironic. Like there, there is no yeah. right thing to do in that situation. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, what's kind of depressing is the cops in this, even though they kill Radio Rahim, they're like so much less than these dudes with their tanks and their whatever they have sound yeah. cannons now or whatever. Like they're at least at least they're not like an occupying army. 
like they use excessive force, <laughs> yeah. right? But they're not yeah. rolling up in like uh, in an eight, uh, yeah. armored personnel carrier, you know, and coming out in these like full on, you know, crazy riot uniforms. It's just normal people driving around in cars, and you know, yeah, they're abusive and violent and ex- use excessive force, but you can still sort of recognize it as like those are police, not those are yeah. uh, an occupying army. And you know, for what it's worth, they were part of the community. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, for what it's worth, that guy can't show his face in that community anymore. That and actor, by the way, the- that actor says that he got death threats. Like, I you can imagine. To him after. Yeah, yeah. Like, you fucked it all up, man. It's your fault that this could. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I should have stuck to porn cop. Right. There, that's an episode that needs to happen on why do people conflate the actor and the character? Because this is not the first time I've heard of people like literally yeah. getting threatened violently because people right. don't like the character they play right soap opera Who stars and report this all this time to- like all the time soap opera stars who like cheated on like the main you know the protagonist or whatever like they just get attacked <laughs> yeah who did you say tamler anna gunn from breaking bad yeah that's right she's like, the one i was thinking was of trash you know all right all right yeah we done i think we're good <laughs> oh well, actually what wait, wait, one last thing that i wanted to say because you know where we came what yoel was saying about where we ended up in this movie reminds me of where my grad class and I ended up about Unforgiven, which is you go in there thinking there are two ways, you know, the way of the, the, the Gene Hackman and the way of sort of honor and, and revenge in the end, like not, you know, honor gets taken down with English Bob Gene Hackman way gets taken down with the fact that he gets killed and kills Morgan Freeman, which you don't do, as we said. <laughs> and and you end up with a just kind of it's like that movie. Actually, when I watched it again, it was like it's it's a, just a pessimistic message. It's just like we're fucked essentially. Yeah. And that's what I think that this movie you could look at, too, is just like we're fucked. And there's nothing we can do about it. You know, it's like a taxi driver yeah. kind of uh, feel to it. And I'm not sure yeah. even Spike Lee would, would endorse it, but I think that's what he made. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that might be what he made. Yeah. All right. That's it. Mm. Join us next time. Awesome.